Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or if there's something going on in your life that you'd like to know what, what does the Bible say about that, or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you and pray for you and answer those questions. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line, 720-336-0897. Just want to say welcome to all of those of you tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, first of all, welcome to everybody tuning in up and down the front range of Colorado and into southern Wyoming. Uh, you know, we have a broadcast range here at Grace FM from Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way down to Colorado Springs, Colorado. So if you're tuning in on Grace FM, welcome to the program. We're so glad that you tuned in today. And give us a call, 303-690-3000. Uh, also, want to welcome those of you listening on the East Coast. We are uh, syndicated on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. So if you're listening in one of those places, we are so glad that you tuned in today. And we also want to say hello to everybody who is tuning in in Tennessee on Truth FM and into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So glad to have you know this show getting out to so many different people in different areas. Uh, just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast, in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay, but uh, we would love to have you call in, and then you'll be able to tune in the following week and listen to yourself live on the radio. But wherever you are, you can always tune in uh, via our app live, um, via the app or the website. So if you've got a mobile device, you can go on your app store and just search Grace FM. It'll come right up. Download that, and then you can listen to it wherever you are. I know that we have people who listen uh, to this show live from from California and Texas, other places that aren't in our broadcast range, but they're able to tune in, and they're able to be part of this uh, Calvary Live family that is growing. So it's exciting. So also, um, you know, if you are sitting at a computer or you have a computer open somewhere near you, you can always go to the website, gracefm.com, and you can listen live right there on the website. So however you've tuned in today, welcome to the program. Again, the number to call, 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. My name, again, is I'm, pas uh, I'm Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And we're a church that loves Jesus and we love to study the Bible. And if you're in the Longmont, Colorado area, we would love to have you visit our church sometime. I am uh, your host here every Monday. And then every now and then I, I fill in other days of the week. And um, just love taking these calls and getting to uh, speak to people about Jesus over the airwaves. Uh, again, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is uh, in Longmont, Colorado. So if you're in the Longmont area and you're looking for a place to worship, I would love to personally invite you to come join us at Whitefields for worship and the word. 
Our church meets at 700 Longs Peak Avenue in downtown Longmont. So we're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. So we're right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So we're right on the edge of Roosevelt Park in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is a historic building here in Longmont, really a kind of a central building um, for the city, that St. Vrain Memorial Building, right in the heart of the city. So if you are familiar with it, and if you're not, then go to our website and you can get uh, directions from wherever you're at in any of the surrounding communities. We have so many people from the surrounding area too. So if you're not in Longmont proper, but if you're in Mead or Berthet or you're in Frederick, Firestone, Decono, Erie, Lafayette, Boulder, um, Lyons, we would love to have you come and worship with us at Whitefields. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com and we meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. You can find all that great information on the website. And we also have a show that airs here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. It's called Life in the Field. The idea behind that is it's all about living our lives in God's mission, in his mission field, which is the world. So life in God's mission field, life in the field, every weekday at 2.30 p.m. And then also on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Hopefully you're in church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. But if you're not, for whatever reason, tune in to Grace FM and uh, you'll hear our show Life in the Field airing at that time. Let's go ahead and go to some of our callers. First of all, I have a friend on line one uh, who I asked to call in. So his name is Nate. Hi, Nate. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Nate, how are you? I'm doing just great. Great. So, hey, Nate, the reason I asked you to come in or call in is because I wanted to introduce you to our listeners. Um, You know, we've had a couple missionaries come through our church, uh, and but you're the first one I've had call into the show just because I I think you guys are doing a great ministry there in Ukraine. I wanted to give our listeners the opportunity to hear about it and to know what some of your prayer needs are and maybe some information about how they can keep up with your ministry and maybe some updates and things like that. So, So why don't you begin just by telling us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do as a missionary in Ukraine. Well, like I said, well, like you said, my name is Nate and uh, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio originally, but I've been a missionary in Ukraine for 13 years in a city called Kharkiv. It's a city of about 2 million people. It's it's a big uh, industrial city, but there's also a lot of college students and different people like that. My my wife is from Kharkiv, Ukraine also, and we've been married for 10 years. We uh, work in a Calvary Chapel Church. We serve in a Calvary Chapel Church there, and it's a church of about 60 people, and it's mainly a lot of young college students, a lot of people from all over Ukraine that are studying for a time. And really, we enjoy helping them grow. But also, my wife and I have been working in orphanage ministries for many years. And in the last few years, the Lord just put it on our heart to start taking children, especially as they age out of the orphanage, to come live with us. And for us just to really bring them into our family, model what a Christian family is like, and just love them with the love of Christ and, and hopefully see them come to know Jesus and to grow in Him. So that's what we've been doing for the last five years. Great. Yeah, and so, you know, one of the things I talked about the last couple of weeks here on the show was that our church in Longmont is really involved in outreach to children in foster care. And in a way, that's that's uh, what you guys are doing, right? Like, so you're involved in foster ministry in Ukraine. And... um Maybe you could just say a few things about that. Yeah, well, in Ukraine for many years, especially in the Soviet Union, the Eastern part of the Soviet Union, they had mainly orphanages, children that were, you know, uh, 
a difficult situation or their parents were dead or in prison or whatever reason children were taken out of the home, they were put in big orphanages, some as small as 30 kids in the orphanage, some as big as 200, 300. And, but as the country's developing, they're trying to move away from that. And so they're trying to place kids into either long-term foster care or even now short-term foster care. And uh, for us, we think, like, the most important people we could see doing that are Christians, um, because what like we know can happen in America, even in the foster system, sometimes people are just doing it because it's a job, and these kids are experiencing even worse trauma in those places. But we think for these important, fragile times in the life of these kids, they really need the love of Jesus. And so we've been doing that for five years, and our, our vision now is to help other Ukrainian families start doing what we're doing, because we think, what what more intense form of discipleship than your family? And so, yeah, we, it's been I, a really. I love that idea. Okay. I love that yeah. idea that um, you know you you said yesterday you spoke at our church for a few minutes and you said that uh, you felt called to disciple people and you said, hey, this is like the most intense form of discipleship. Bring a person into your home and and make them part of your family. Yeah, I mean, it it can be uncomfortable. Because, you know, when you disciple somebody, you're at, you know, you meet with them one-on-one or they don't really like what you have to say. It's like, well, okay, I don't see you until next week, but it's different in a home. But I think the one thing the Lord spoke to me and my wife very early on is that just ask us, why are we doing ministry? Are we doing things just because it's something that we feel good about or something that's comfortable for us? Or are we really serving Jesus? And I think it's a really gut check, because I think a lot of times we, if we really think about the things that we want to do in ministry— we do it because it's comfortable for us. But the fact is, is uh, for me, God showed us His heart for these kids. He showed us how He cares about them. And for me, it's just I want to join. I want to have the heart of God, so I want to join Him in what His heart is. And, and isn't that isn't it such a picture of the gospel? I mean, I always think. You no, know, we we also foster parented when we were missionaries in Hungary, and then we adopted uh, the the young man that we had in foster care. And, you know, for us, it was also part of this this thing that um, we we loved seeing the discipleship that went on, the tangible results, but also it was, it, it was something that ministered to our hearts because, you know, part of the gospel, it says in the Bible, one of the pictures of the gospel is that God has adopted us into his family, that whereas before exactly. we were rebels and we were enemies, God, he made us family and adopted us and gave us a new name and gave us a new future. And man, what a what a wonderful and powerful thing it is to be able to live that out in someone's life and to live out the gospel in that way. Yeah, I think that's exactly true. I, I think that I've understood more about the Father's heart of God and just grace through my kids because I watch my kids struggle, or especially when they first come to our home. We've—I uh, don't know if I mentioned that—we've had four kids we've taken into our home in the last five years. Right now, they're ages from 23 to 13 years old, um, all girls, plus they have two other biological children that are younger. But especially when they first come the first year or two, they struggle because they don't know if they can trust us, you know, because everyone else in their life that they should trust and rely on them have been have left, whether by choice or not by choice, either by death or by just other things. And so, you know, we're trying to love them, we're trying to do the right thing, and sometimes they fight it. And the Lord just spoke to me and says, that's why I, you know, the Lord showed me that's how I treat him so often. He's trying to lead us to the right thing. He's trying to say, we ask him for things, and he said, and sometimes God's answer is no, and we get mad, we don't understand, and we think, God, you don't love me, you don't really love me. But the fact is, is that is his love. 
and so often we fight the, the things that are good for us because we sin has really twisted our minds and perverted our minds so we don't always know what is good and evil and we see that with the kids because they haven't seen love modeled and so as as we keep loving these kids, the Lord just shows us, and our hearts break for these kids sometimes as they're learning to receive love. And the Lord's like, yeah, that's how I feel about you. Mm, so powerful. Hey, so Nate, just I'm going to have to let you go and get to some other cool. callers, but I yeah. uh, could could you give our listeners maybe a way that they can follow up and learn more about your ministry? Do you have a website or anything like that? Yeah, well, I think the best thing right now is we have a Facebook page for our group. It is facebook.com slash fostering hope ukraine fostering hope ukraine uh, okay so facebook and then fostering hope ukraine that's an open group that anybody can join yeah you can join um we have we yeah we have an overview video about our, our ministry and we have a few pictures and a few other videos about our last several updates and our newsletters on there and there's even a way if people want to donate there's a button Wow, that's awesome. So let me pray for you, and then I'm going to let you go. But cool. hey, thanks. thanks so much for sharing about your ministry. So let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Nate and his family. Uh, we pray for Diana and the whole Medlong family over there in Kharkov, Ukraine. Lord, we ask that you would bless them. Thank you for what you have done for us. And Lord, everything we do for you is just response because of what you've done for us. It's, it's a response of grateful and thankful hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would... Give uh, Nate and his family endurance as they serve you. Lord, give them much joy in serving you. And Lord, we pray that you would provide for all their needs because we know that they have uh, financial needs and, and emotional and uh, other needs, spiritual needs. Um, Lord, we pray that you'd use them in the church that they're a part of and use them in this uh, Fostering Hope ministry that they are involved with in a powerful way for the good of these kids and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, Nate. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have one open line. You can squeeze in if you'd like. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Let's go to line two where we've got Jay uh, with a question from Exodus. Okay, hey, Jay, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? <clears throat> Great. What's up? Um, so I was... Uh... I've been listening to a lot of your sermons on on uh, Whitefields Community Church website. Great. And uh, the other yesterday, I was listening to uh, the sermon that you have called "Water from the Rock" on Exodus 17. Yeah. And uh, I just—it's been a while since I've read Exodus, but I—I I, I thought that when he when he got the water from the rock, that that was the thing that Moses did when he, like, struck it twice or something, and that was what he, when he misrepresented the Lord, and so he wasn't able to enter the Promised Land? Was that, is that in another chapter? Or it it is in another chapter. That? No, it is in another chapter, and that chapter is Numbers chapter 20. Okay. So these are two separate incidents. And so here's, here's the issue, is that in the first case, uh, God did tell Moses, so in Exodus 17, God did tell Moses to strike the rock and that water would, for, um, would pour forth from it. But in the book of Numbers, so they're in two different places also in those times. So in, in Exodus 17, they are traveling from the Red Sea towards Mount Sinai where they're going to get the Ten Commandments and the Law of God. And then, you remember, after they got the Ten Commandments and all that, 
Then they left. They went north, and they were supposed to enter the promised land, and but they didn't because they got scared of the giants. And you remember there were the twelve spies, and the ten uh, didn't have faith, but the one, or sorry, but the two did have faith, Joshua and Caleb. And yet democracy won the day, and so the people said, "No, we don't want to go." So God said, "Okay, this generation can't enter into my rest, so they're going to wander in the wilderness." Um, until this generation dies off. And so it was during the wandering in the wilderness that, again, they, they ran out of water. And, of course, everybody's upset and freaking out. And Moses is getting upset, not just because they don't have water, but he's upset because the people are just complaining. And so what happens there in Numbers chapter 20 is that Moses gets frustrated, and God told him there in Numbers 20 not to strike the rock but to speak to the rock but instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock in frustration. And, uh, and God, in his mercy, did allow water to come forth for the people. But he told Moses, hey, you disobeyed me and you misrepresented me. And so you're not going to be able to enter the promised land. So those are two separate issues. And on a symbolic level, you know, you go over to, you go over to the Gospel of John, chapter 7, and Jesus is at this festival, the Festival of Tabernacles, or a festival of, um, it's sometimes called a few different things, a festival of weeks, a festival of taber- tabernacles. And so the, the Festival of Tabernacles, they would live in tents. All, you know, all the men and their sons, and sometimes some of the women would come up to Jerusalem, and they would live in tents for a week, and they would have this festival in which they would remember how God provided for them during their wilderness wandering. <laughs> And Jesus says at that point, you know, he says, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. And so what he's referring to is the time when Moses struck the rock and water water, uh, poured forth. But again, that happened twice. And really the symbolism in, in that is this, that Jesus is the rock. You can actually follow that type. We call it type or typology through the Bible that there's this constant reminder of the rock, right? And Jesus is referred to as, he even refers to himself as the cornerstone, which is mentioned in Psalm 118. So Jesus, this this picture of the rock is constantly speaking of the Messiah who will come. And, um, And then Jesus comes and he's essentially saying, I am the rock and the rock was struck. But this is the key. The rock was struck once. It doesn't have to be struck over and over and over again. There was one sacrifice which was sufficient for all time. So that's why, you know, it was also, this is another reason why it was wrong for Moses to strike the rock again in Numbers chapter 20, because that went contrary to the picture or the type that God was establishing about Jesus who would later come. Does that make sense? Yeah, that was that was a great explanation. I really appreciate the uh, clarification there. I could have sworn it was when he hit the rock, and so I'm glad yeah, I wasn't well, completely confused. So. No, you're not confused. Check out Numbers chapter 20. I think that'll that'll really clarify some things. All right on, man. Well, thank you very much. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. We've got two open lines, so plenty of uh, opportunity to call in if you would like to be on the air. And you can also text us at 720-336-0897. Again, 720-336-0897. Let's go to line three where we've got Sally in Estes Park. Hi, Hi. Sally. Welcome to the program. 
Hi, Nick. Um, I called you before, and I referenced having read Levi Lusco's book, Swipe Right. Okay. And that it really um, brought to my attention the exceeding spiritual harm that can be done because of the covenant of marriage. And when that's breached and we go off and join ourselves with others um, physically, that, you know, we're opened up to the um, satanic, um, you know, spiritual influences that are involved in the in mm-hmm. other individuals' lives. And if we've done that with many and many and many for a lifetime, it can really very much change who we are, you know, even in our character and things. And I know at the time you mentioned that Levi was a friend of yours. And um, I read this book because I would have personal interest in it as I've been married 37 years And I believe my husband probably started a sexual addiction, you know, around the age of 17. Um, I've seen how it greatly affected, you know, our relationship, both, you know, in the physical intimacy side and even our trying to do life together, you know, as buddies and friends and partners, uh, because these forces seem to pull him away, you know, the the seductions of these titillating opportunities and things. But it is also, I'd like to say, that it has also changed his intellect. I I really mean that in his ability to concentrate and to have perspective. It's like he has been changed from a relatively uh, intelligent, well-spoken guy to this kind of impulsive, entitling uh, male uh, who you'd never know he even thinks about being married. And he's emotionally distancing and uh, physically. So it has been very, very harmful, you know, when he has opened himself to uh, demonic influences of this nature. It shows up in his own household where he's supposed to be protecting his wife, I think he's, I'm not blaming him for everything, but it sure feels he could care less about that. Mm. And so Sally, let me, let me interrupt you re- for a second real quick. So um, I'm sorry to hear about this situation. I think what you're talking about is something which is very serious and something which uh, a lot of people uh, other than yourself probably also can relate to and have dealt with. So um, let me ask you a few questions real quick. Are you guys uh, involved? Is he, is he involved in, um, do you read the Bible together? Do you go to church together? Do you None, together at all, all that stopped, all of the above, long gone. Okay. Replaced you, by other elements and, you know, pleasures and other types of camaraderie and things of that nature. Would he be and open to... And that's the main thing. Sorry, would he be open to going to church with you, getting involved, seeking out something like that? At this point, no. And if it were, it would be just kind of perfunctory. Yeah. But here's the situation, Nick. Um, because it has uh, not been a healthy emotional or physical environment, I have physical limitations. I have a fractured hip. And, and 
um, since um, December, since coming to Estes Park and to see if I could make a go of it. Having moved from Florida is quite a change, and I really can't. I'm not uh, rigorous enough, let's say. And um, I'll be returning on Saturday. I'll be flying back to Florida, and so my husband will have this place for himself and with his, you know, group of friends that he engages with here in this uh, community. And he's so, happy. This is a goal of his. He's always wanted to come back to Colorado, and he is here now. So he seems to be very pleased about that, and he does understand that this is not my kind of uh, environment physically, nor is it my lifestyle. So Sally, um, I, I'm really sorry to hear this, um, but I I think that there there's two options that we have here. Uh, well, really one option. The one option is I can recommend uh, some counseling, um, some pastors who counsel, and some uh, and also some some counselors uh, in your area in Estes Park who you could recommend for him. But it, it doesn't sound like to me like he would be open to that. So I think instead what we need to do right now in this moment is to pray for him and to, and to pray that these bonds are loosened. You know, I'll, uh, I'll tell you a few more things on this topic after I pray for you and, and let you go. But uh, I do have a few more thoughts that may be helpful for some of our listeners and for you and your husband as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for Sally and uh, just sorry to hear about this situation and how um, the enemy has gotten a foothold in the life of her husband, it sounds like. So, Lord, we're, we're sorrowful to hear that. And we ask, Lord, that you would break those bonds. Lord, that uh, I love how it says in Psalm 40, how the psalm writer says, you uh, grabbed me out of the miry pit and you set me upon a rock. And Lord, I pray that you would do that for her husband. I pray that you would um, grab him out of the miry pit and that you would set him on the rock and that that rock would be Jesus. I pray that he would uh, go beyond just a kind of perfunctory um, church attendance or, you know, nodding his head and saying, yes, church is good-ish. And I pray that he would come to the point where he desires to walk with you, Lord. I pray that he would really, that there would be a spiritual breakthrough, Lord, that every wall that he has put up, every shelter he has built to um, hide himself or to shelter himself from you, Lord, that you would take the roof off of that shelter and that he would he would experience you in reality and in power and lord that truly you would break through um these things so that the care the the pleasures of this world um that he would really get to the end of them and realize that, that at the end of all things it is all vanity just like the writer of ecclesiastes said he said he tried everything in this world everything the world has to offer and he realized at the end of the day none of it really matters because true fulfillment is only found in jesus and so lord we pray that he to that point and i pray that you bless sally i pray for her physical spiritual well-being lord as much as depends on her uh, i pray that she would be focused on her relationship with you and making that stronger. So I pray for them, Lord, that you would do a, a great work. I pray for any of our other listeners who are struggling in their marriages uh, and struggling with similar situations, Lord, that you would do breakthroughs and you would set people free from the bonds uh, that are binding them. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm your host every Monday here on Calvary Live. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life uh, that you would like to know what the Bible says about it. Or if you have a prayer request or something going on in your life, we'd love to talk to you and pray for you and answer some of those questions for you. I, I mentioned to Sally before we let her go that um, that I had a few thoughts on this uh, from the Bible and and that's because recently at Whitefields, I've been teaching through Romans, just one of the greatest books in the Bible. And uh, I, I'll get back with those thoughts just right after the break. We'll be back in two minutes' time. You're listening to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church here taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. And you can text us also. You can text in your questions or prayer requests to 720-336-0897. That number again, 720-336-0897. So just before we went to the break, we talked to a lady named Sally. She's talking about how her her uh, husband had gotten into some kind of pornography, sexual sin, and, th- and the like, and how she had seen it really affect not just his spiritual um, well-being, but also his his mind and so many other parts of his body. And so what I wanted to just say on that topic was that right now in our um, in our Bible studies on Sunday mornings at Whitefields, uh, the church that I pastor in Longmont, Colorado, we are studying through the letter to the Romans. And so I'll just take the opportunity also while I have you here to say if you are in the Longmont area or in the some of the surrounding towns, and you're looking for a place to worship or a place to study God's Word, we'd love to have you come and join us on a Sunday morning at Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. You can just look us up at uh, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. You can find out all the information, listen to all our Bible studies, find directions to our services. Uh, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And right now we're studying through Romans, and just this past Sunday I taught uh, the first half of Romans chapter 6, and then this coming Sunday I'm going to be teaching the second half of Romans chapter 6. And what those two chapters talk about, first of all, Romans 6, they, they kind of begin with this question of like, if we are saved by grace, does that mean that uh, we don't have to try to live holy lives? Or wh- how does grace actually motivate us to live holy lives? And what we've seen, and I could point it out to you more a little bit later on, is that grace actually does lead us to live holy lives. And part of the reason for that is because what happens inside of us, Romans 6 tells us, is that we become completely new people. We, we die to who we were and we're born again to new life in Christ. But what Roman, the second half of Romans 6, especially particularly verse 16, it says this, that don't you know that uh, whatever you present your body to as obedient, you become a slave to that thing. And it kind of produces this dichotomy, presents this dichotomy to us that, look, you're either going to be a slave to sin or a slave to God. And, and you have to choose. And, and here's the 
paradox of freedom is that if you follow so-called freedom, it will enslave you. But if you really want to be free, the way to truly be free is to become a servant or a slave of God. And I could give you a lot of examples on that. For example, in Exodus, you know, God tells Pharaoh, let my people go. He doesn't just say, let my people go, full stop. He actually goes on. He says, let my people go. Why? So that they can serve me. In other words, Pharaoh, instead of serving you as your slaves, I want them to serve me and be servants of me. That's the only way that they'll truly experience freedom. And so just agreeing with Sally and, and this situation with her husband, what happens is that, you know, when, when we get involved with sin, it actually enslaves us and we need to be set free. And the way to be set free from sin is by submitting ourselves to Jesus, giving ourselves over as servants, like Paul calls himself over and over. Paul the Apostle, he always calls himself a slave of God or a servant of Christ Jesus or a bondservant. It's all actually the same word, doulos. It means slave, but a little bit different than the way that we understand slavery in North America. It, it was the, the, he was referring to slavery as it was practiced in Rome and, you know, a huge as the population of Rome was slaves. And he was saying, you know, just as you're a slave to your masters, I am a slave to God. I am a slave by choice. I have asked God to be my master and I serve him. So anyway, that is the way to be truly free. Uh, the other way, if you avoid God and think that you're being free, unfortunately, that will actually lead to greater bondage. Let's go to line one. We've got Nick in Westminster, Colorado. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the program. How are you doing, Pastor? And Nick, Katie? I'm doing well. Hey, thanks for holding. What's up? Hey, you got a, you got a really good name, by the way. Got a, you oh, thanks. I like your name as well. <laughs> So uh, you touched a little bit on uh, Moses and Pharaoh. I was having a conversation uh, with somebody about uh, about that in particular thing where uh, it talks about in the Bible where God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he had a problem with that. Um, and um, I told him that I would look into it. And what I found, I found that uh, that uh, it was because God wanted uh, God already knew what Pharaoh was going to do, so. He, in terms, hardened his heart to make basically everything happen faster so his glory could shine. Is, is that correct, or is there more than I can add on? Well, yeah, I think there's a little more you could add on, but I think you're you're kind of on the right tracks there. So I don't want to—I'm not really going to correct you. I just I, I'll add on a few other thoughts, okay? Uh, okay? So let's see, Pharaoh, you know, for anybody who's not sure, that you know, you want to read the story, it's found in the book of Exodus in the first— what, 10 chapters, you know, we read about uh, how, you know, Pharaoh, and I would put it this way, Pharaoh was not an innocent guy who wanted to follow God and wanted to submit to God. So that, that we have to put that out there. Pharaoh was a brutal dictator overseeing a terrible and abusive and oppressive regime in which he was committing genocide and um, murdering babies, infanticide. He was ordering his soldiers to go into homes, take babies and murder them. Right. So this is a person who you would look at that and you say, well, if God doesn't do something about that, is God just? And so God goes in and um, and he, you know, offered he actually offers Pharaoh a chance to repent. And the, the first time around, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. From then on, we read that, that God also hardened Pharaoh's heart. Sometimes we read again that Pharaoh hardened his heart. So who was it who hardened Pharaoh's heart? Was it God who hardened Pharaoh's heart or was it Pharaoh who hardened? Pharaoh's heart? And the answer is yes to both, right? And so uh, does it bring God glory to bring judgment? Well, it does bring God glory to bring judgment and because he is a just God. It also brings God glory to show mercy. 
We know that because God in uh, Exodus chapter 34, God presents his name to Moses. He says, I'm going to show you my glory. And then not only does he show Moses some of the brilliance of his glory, meaning the light of his glory, but he also, when specifically he tells Moses, he shows Moses his glory, what he shows him is his character. In other words, the character of God is the expression of the glory of God. And he tells him what his character is. You know, he says, the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, um, you know, showing, uh, giving forgiveness, you know, not not uh, punishing the sins of all the people, but showing forgiveness. But but then he adds to it and also by no means um, clearing the guilty. And so those two things are both parts of God's glory that God brings about righteous judgment. That is part of what brings God glory. And it also brings God glory when he shows mercy. The thing about mercy is it's never deserved, right? So we can't say, well, Pharaoh deserved better. No, Pharaoh, none of us deserves grace or mercy. I mean, by nature, those things are not deserved, right? The only thing that's deserved in this case is judgment. But I I do love this, this facet about the name of God and the glory of God, like there in Exodus 34, where he says that on the one hand, he says, I'm a merciful God, and that brings me glory. On the other hand, he says, I'm a just God, and that also brings me glory. So what he says there, um, you know, is those two things. And those two things, I would say, throughout the Old Testament are held in tension with each other. Is God a merciful God, or is he a just God? And the Old Testament says he's both. But then the question becomes, well, how can God be both merciful and just at the same time? Because if justice means giving someone something that they deserve, the punishment that they deserve, um, or or the good that they deserve, right? And or and on the other hand, mercy means not giving someone the punishment that they deserve. Well, then those two things are actually like by definition opposites. So how can God be merciful and just? And what's interesting is like so many questions in the Old Testament. The answer is not even found truly in the Old Testament. It's found in Jesus, the one to whom all of the Old Testament points. And in Jesus, what we see is one uh, who takes upon himself the judgment of God. He is the judge, right? Jesus will be the judge of all the earth. He, the judge, takes the judgment that we deserved so that we could receive the mercy that we don't deserve. And that's the beauty of it. So um, with Pharaoh... You know, I think that uh, I think what you said was right, that in a way God said, hey, look, Pharaoh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to bring judgment. Uh, I think, though, that God did give Pharaoh chances to repent. Right. Like he kept sending Moses to him like nine times in a row. Like, OK, hey, there was a plague. Moses or Pharaoh, here's your chance. You're going to repent. And Pharaoh kept saying no. So, I mean, so if you got a person who is given nine chances with these great signs and wonders and he chooses to harden his heart and then God's saying okay well you know what I'm going to harden your heart too just like you said maybe to speed it up I think that that should be a very stark and sobering warning for those people who are in that place of hardening their hearts against God that the time may come when God um, ratifies your decision so to say and says okay uh, just as you hardened your heart, so now, uh, you know, no more, no more chances. Um, this is this is going to be how it's going to play out. 
I think that can be hard for us to understand, but I do take solace in knowing this, that at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, you have these people we read about who they've gone through uh, some tribulation and then they are in heaven and they're before the throne of God. And what do they say? They say, righteous and true are your judgments, O God. Like these are people who themselves suffered in their lifetimes. And they've seen a lot of things. But now once they get God's perspective and, and they see things from his vantage point, they say, wow, truly everything you ever did was righteous, meaning it was correct, and it was true, meaning it was fair. And I take a lot of solace in knowing that, that from my vantage point, it might be hard to understand just why God did something the way that he did it. But I know that uh, when I get and see things from his vantage point, that I will say that same thing. That sounds amazing. That's right on. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Awesome. Hey, thanks for calling in. God bless you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. Uh, If you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. We have all open lines right now. So we went from having completely full lines to now all open lines. So if you have a question or prayer request and you've been meaning to call, now is a great time to do so. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text number is 720-336-0897. Let's go over to our text line and look at some of the texts that have come in over the course of the show. So one person writes, um, In 1 Corinthians, is the covering of a woman's head during prayer and prophecy a command or a suggestion? So the Women's head covering during prayer and prophecy, a command or a suggestion. Let me uh, pull up the exact chapter that's in, and then let's talk about it. Okay, so the chapter that is in, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, verses 3 through 16 deal with this issue. So let's go ahead and read that so we can get some context, and then I'd be happy to answer that question for you. Um, I've answered it a lot in the past. You know, I've mentioned to you on the air before that I was a pastor in Hungary for 10 years uh, before moving to the U.S. six years ago. And uh, during that time, you know, in Eastern Europe, uh, it's still quite common for women to cover their heads. um, And it has a similar meaning to what it had in Jesus's time, like uh, in in the Middle East. So uh, that kind of gives me a little bit of perspective on it. But let's just read what it says, head coverings. First uh, Corinthians 11, starting in verse 3. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a, of a wife is her husband, but the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife, now there's a key word, not every woman, every wife who prays um, or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, meaning dishonors her husband, because a prior verse said that the head of a wife is the husband, since it is as if the same as if her head were shaven. 
And so what is the Bible saying? Is the Bible saying that it doesn't like women with short hair or women with shaven heads? Not at all. So this is a very cultural thing. And I think this is, you know, one of the difficulties with studying the Bible is differentiating between, as you said, is this a command or a suggestion? What is going on here? Well, it is a command, not a suggestion, but does it mean that women today need to cover their heads? What exactly is the command that's being given here? Now, here's the command, and, and here's why it's important. What he's talking about here is a specific situation in that culture in which it was common for a woman who was married to wear a head covering in public. This is still the case, you know, in, in some Middle Eastern uh, cultures where uh, women cover their heads. Now, in some Middle Eastern cultures, especially Muslim cultures, women will cover their heads uh, not when they are married, but when they reach, um, you know, when they get beyond puberty. Now, so in the Jewish system and Jewish culture at that time, the way it worked is that um, a woman, when she got married, would begin to wear a head covering. And that was an outward symbol, kind of like how we wear rings. For a woman who covered her head, what the message that sent to other people in the society, whether you were at a gathering or in public or wherever, that was a message that said, hey, this woman is taken, so treat her as a married woman. And so what they're talking about is a situation in church where uh, there, was, there were women coming into the church and they were Wear, not wearing head coverings, even though they were married. And what Paul's saying is, hey, you are, that's disrespecting your husband, right? Like that would be like, the equivalent today would be a, a woman or a man who goes to a bar and takes off their wedding ring before they go into the bar. Why would you do something like that? That, you know, if my wife did something like that to me, I would feel, uh, first of all, very offended. Like, why would you do that? What are you looking for? And why would you want to communicate to someone in a social setting that you're not married to me? I would be deeply offended. And so he's saying, hey, you know, if you're going to come into church and you're going to, I mean, like, how can you come into church basically communicating through the way that you're dressed or having your head uncovered that you are single when you are not single and then you want to stand up and prophesy and pray and minister in the church? Like, come on, that is just crazy. So I, I hope that answers your question. Really, this is the situation in which it's saying, hey, ladies who are married, don't dress or communicate to people that you are not married. Like, why would you do that? And especially don't think that you're going to come into church and, and do that while you, you know, and pray while you're communicating by the way that you're dressed, that you're available for other men other than your husband. I mean, that's just off the wall. And that really was the case in the Corinthian church. You know, they were off the wall with some of these immoral things that they were involved in, especially in the area of, of sexuality. Now, I would say that this doesn't just apply to women. This also applies to men. I think the same principle applies. Hey, men, if somehow you are going somewhere and communicating to people that you are not married, when you are in fact married, you're, you're dishonoring your wife. And, uh, and don't do not do that. So I hope that answers your question. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Doug on line three. Hey, Doug, welcome to the program. Hi, Doug, are you there? Okay, Doug, I can't hear you, so I'm going to have to let you go. Um, but I see in the notes here from the producer that you had a prayer request for your son. 
uh, just came off of opioids and needs help getting his life back together. Doug, we'd love to pray for you. I hope that you're listening and you can uh, pray along with us. But uh, either way, we're going to pray for you and ask that those listening on the air right now would, would join and say amen to this prayer. So, Heavenly Father, we pray for Doug and for his son. Thank you, Lord. Praise you that his son has come off of drugs. Lord, we ask that you would uh, keep him clean. Lord, that you would put... Uh, Lord, that you would reach into his heart, that you would take hold of him. And Lord, not only would you draw him out of that miry pit like we talked about earlier, Lord, set him on the rock. Set him on the rock that is Jesus. Lord, we pray that he would turn to Jesus and not just uh, cleanse his life of drugs, but Lord, that in coming to Jesus, he would put his faith in you and that his heart would be cleansed of sin and all unrighteousness and that your spirit would indwell him. Lord, I pray that Doug's son would have a community around him that encourages him towards Jesus and away from drugs and other things that are going to be damaging and harmful for him. Lord, we pray for him that he would have strength, that he would have community, and Lord, that he would have your spirit in him. Lord, that truly uh, that he would be set free. I, I just remember the words of uh, Galatians chapter 5, where it says, that It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Spirit, um, Doug's son would not submit again to the yoke of slavery in the form of addiction. Lord, I pray that you would keep him free from that, and Lord, give him a rich life, in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Doug, for that uh, prayer request. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. I see that we had a call from a woman named Anna who asked not to be on the air, but she called and asked if we could pray for her. Uh, she recently lost an envelope that contained her rent money, and she's afraid that she won't be able to recover it. Um, so yes, we absolutely pray for Anna. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for Anna, and we pray for this situation. I'm sure that she's very distraught over this. And Lord, so I pray that you would be with her, that you would comfort her, that you give her hope in a time where she feels like all hope is lost. And Lord, I pray that truly she would recover this money. Lord, I pray that uh, if it has been found, that it would somehow be returned, that it would be kept somewhere with, with someone who is honest. Lord, let someone find this money who is honest enough to turn it in somewhere where Anna can find it. And I also pray, Lord, that she would have it, that she would be able to pay her rent. Lord, and I pray that there would be no negative repercussions from this. But Lord, thank you that in all things, in all circumstances, we can rejoice in you, knowing that you will always take care of us, even though there are bumps in the road, even though there are potholes in the road sometimes. Lord, thank you that you are the stable one who cares for us, loves us, and provides for us. I pray that Anna would have just so much hope and peace in her heart. But also I pray, Lord, that she would find and recover this money that she needs to pay her rent. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. We have all open lines right now. We've got seven minutes left in the show. The number to call is 303 690 3000. That's 303 690 3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 0897. Let's go back over to the text line. And we have a 
Interesting question from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 22. Someone writes and asks, uh, John 15, 22 seems to say, Jesus seems to be saying that if he had not come, then sin would not have come into the world. Can you please explain? So let's go over there, John chapter 15. Just for a little bit of context, what's happening here is from, uh, from John 13 through John 17, we have the Last Supper. So, so whereas other Gospels give a shorter amount of time, dedicate a shorter amount of time to the uh, Lord's Supper, the Last Supper that Jesus shared with his disciples, that Passover meal, John's Gospel gives a lot of attention to it. I mean, a huge chunk of the book is, is all about this meal that Jesus had with him in his last words. And you can imagine you know, if you were following Jesus personally and, you know, he spent his last night with you, man, the things that he said would have been etched into your mind. And so we see John, the disciple who was one of the closest to Jesus, he says, the other gospel writers haven't taken the time as much to tell you all the amazing things that Jesus said during that supper. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you all the stuff that he said because it was incredible. And so starting in chapter 13, Chapter 14, Jesus tells them that he's going away and that he is going to give them the Holy Spirit to be their helper. And then in chapter 15, he, he uses this analogy. He says, this is how you're going to make it without me here physically. He says, what you need to do is abide in me, meaning stay connected to me. And he says, it's like a vine that has branches, right? And he says, I'm the true vine. My father's the vine dresser. I'm the vine. You're the branches. The only way for you to stay alive, the only way for you to make it, is for you to stay connected to me and stay in relationship with me. You do that through prayer. You do that through my word, which I've spoken to you. You do that through, through sticking with me and following me. And so then he goes down, and he says that. That's verses 1 through 17. He says, I want you to, uh, you know, you are my friends. He says, no greater love has this than it, has any man than this, that he would give his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I tell you. And I'm telling you, abide in me and bear much fruit so that it brings glory to the Father. Okay, that's verses 1 through 17. Then he kind of changes gears, starting in verse 18. And here's what he says, starting in verse 18, John chapter 15. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Verse 19. If you were of the world, then the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Okay, so what is he saying? Verse 18 and 19, he's saying, look, don't be surprised if people hate you uh, because you're Christians. Now, we know for a fact that that is what happened to the early Christians right on the heels of Jesus leaving. They were, they were very, very persecuted. Verse 20, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. So if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, then they will also keep your word. Verse 21, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. And here's the verse in question, verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father also. Okay, so what that means is that when he says in verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Uh, what Jesus is 
is not saying is that the only reason people are guilty is because he came. He's specifically speaking about the sin of hating him, which by implication means hating the Father. To hate Jesus is to hate God, in other words. And so what it's saying here, Jesus is saying this is the, this is the sin that he's saying would not have happened had he not come into the world in the flesh. So I hope that answers your question. He's not just talking about um, sin in general. He is talking about a, the specific sin of hating him, which would not have happened if he hadn't come into the world. Now, this brings up an interesting issue, and we've got about one and a half minutes, so I'll make it very brief. But Paul says in Romans chapter 5, the end of Romans chapter 5, and he says it elsewhere, like in Galatians chapter 3, but in Romans chapter 5, he says that the reason the law was given was actually so that sin would increase. And he says, that why was that? Well, as sin increases, people need grace more. They become more aware of their need for grace. In other words, God said, uh, you know, people already sinned before the law, like the Ten Commandments and the 613 laws that were attached uh, with the or 613 laws total of the law of Moses. People sinned before that. They sinned against what they knew in their conscience God wanted them to do. But then God gave them law. Why? Not to save them, like saying, hey, if you follow all these rules, then you'll be saved. But actually, to cause sin to increase. In other words, actually, it, was, it happened so that they would sin more by actually breaking God's law. And by doing that, they would know even more that they need a Savior and they would be driven towards Jesus. So I hope that answers your question. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'll be with you again tomorrow and every Monday here on Calvary Live. Tune in every, every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time for Calvary Live. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.